What's up guys? Blake here. I am half of True Story Bro. My co-host Brandon is not here with me right now. And that's because I'm just trying to iron out our audio. The last couple weeks the audio has just not really been there. Uh, and I want to make sure that it sounds better going forward. So that's what I'm doing. The audio might not be great because it's raining right now because I have the worst luck in the entire world. So, you might never hear this, uh, or I might upload it. We'll see. Let's get into it. One, two, three, four. What's going on guys? I know I kicked it off a minute ago, but I want to let you know a little bit about what I'm going to talk about for the next couple minutes. Uh, Brandon and I had discussed doing a segment called True Stories for the Boys, or we may rename it, I, we're not really concrete on that right yet, but basically a segment where we have a guest on or just us personally, we're telling true stories whether that's stories from like your partying days or just like crazy stories we think that that would be a really interesting segment so it's something that we want to do more of um so i guess i will be our first true story uh and hopefully brendan will be on the next one i say hopefully definitely brendan will be on the next one he's it's not like he's leaving or anything um but for this story, I need to kick it on back to the spring of, I think, 2015. When early in the morning, me and four of my close buddies got together to go to the Volunteers spring game, the orange and white game. Just a bunch of college kids. We're pretty much just going because it's free. Um... So we all piled into my Nissan Titan at the time that I had just gotten like a couple of weeks before. Uh, it was new to me. It wasn't the nicest thing in the world, but it was the nicest vehicle that I had ever had. So, uh, you know, at the time I'm like, man, I really want to take really good care of that. Go ahead and tuck that fact into the back of your mind because that's, that's going to come up here in a little while. So I go to pick up a couple of my friends and I'm knocking on the door they're not answering the door. They're asleep because they had partied the night before. So I finally get them to wake up. They come outside. One of them is wearing my hat. I don't even know where I lost the hat or where he got the hat. Or maybe he's the reason I lost the hat. But either way, he had this hat on. I got my hat back. So that was that. We get on the road to Knoxville. It is, let's call it 5 a.m., you know, give or take. The three guys in the back are doing Jaeger bombs at 5 a.m. 
And that basically is going to set the tempo for the, how the rest of the day is going to go. And if you've ever done Jaeger bombs before, it's just like pouring violence right into your body. So they are uh, they're getting hungry and they're wanting to stop and get something to eat. So we stop at a Cracker Barrel. And now this is back in 2015. I know these new age Cracker Barrels are selling alcohol now. But back in 2015, Cracker Barrel was a good Christian wholesome establishment that frowned on the sale of alcohol. So when my friends asked the waitress if they sold vodka, you can only imagine the shock on her face and how quickly she let us know that no, they do not in fact sell vodka. They probably asked her another three times just to be sure that she wasn't holding out on them. So we eat at uh, Cracker Barrel. I don't think anything else really eventful happened there. And we get back on the road. And we have a pretty smooth trip to Knoxville. I'm sure we almost had a couple of wrecks or something. That's just that's just par for the course <laughs> when I'm driving and trying to tell stories. Um, but we get almost into Knoxville and one of my friends and we'll call him Jody <laughs> starts talking about how he needs to pee. Well, I'm not just extremely familiar with Knoxville anyways, and I wasn't just super comfortable driving all these drunk guys around in a town that I've never been in. I wasn't just like a pro at driving in big cities anyway, so I'm like, man, I just want to get where I'm going. I'm like, hey, you're going to have to hold it. And he's like, dude, I can't hold it. So, this back and forth between you've got to hold it and I can't hold it continues for the next uh, minute or so. And then he reaches up and grabs an empty Mountain Dew Baja Blast bottle from my uh, center console and pulls it to the back. And I am, at this point, fully aware of what is about to happen. So he's now peeing into this Mountain Dew bottle, and I can, I, I wasn't watching, but he started talking about it filling up, and all I could think about was the scene from Dumb and Dumber where he's peeing into the beer bottles, and the one guy's got a handful of beer bottles while he's still filling them up. And so I whip it off into the next exit and pull into a Waffle House. So now we've been to a Cracker Barrel and a Waffle House, and this is the first time I'm putting that together, but we really hit some breakfast establishments that day. So, we go to the Waffle House, he goes inside to pee, tries to hand me the bottle full of warm pee. I'm like, dude, absolutely not. So, he just throws it on the ground, and I'm like, he screams, and I'm like, I got, we gotta get out of here, I'll loop back around and get him. So, we pull out, I hit a Mercedes hit a Mercedes, and I'm really hoping that the uh, statute of limitations is up on that one because I did not turn that in. And so we pull back around, get him, and we head to Knoxville. Now, a couple of broke college kids, like I said, we were pretty much only going because it's free. We were not prepared for parking payments. We, we were not going to pay for parking. 
And so we decided we would park at the Walmart, which is, I would say, a decent haul away. And just, you know, walk to the stadium and try to find some uh, tailgates. But we did not count on the fact that people do not get just as rowdy for the spring game. There were almost no tailgates. And Jody's got this backpack full of liquor. I mean, probably 50 pounds or better full of liquor. And several times, because he's got a beer in his hand, several times people on campus were like, hey, you you can't do that on campus. But no means yes for Jody. So he keeps on. And we found out that a couple of guys that we knew were in a parking garage with some other people and they were pre-gaming and so that's about as close to a tailgate as we could figure so we went to that parking garage now that parking garage is where things first started going sideways and you know that's not really true 5 a.m. Jaeger bombs is where things started going sideways but really for this part of the story that's where things started going sideways and I, I'm in this parking garage. We are separated from Jody just a little bit. Not like anything crazy, um, but he's like a little bit behind us. And we go to this parking garage. I call our friends. They say that they're on the second level of the parking garage. So I look at the poles, and I see that we're on level uh, basement. That's where we were, basement level. So I go to level one, and then level two, and I find them. I get a call from Jody. He's like, where are you? I'm like, hey, we're on the second level. He said, well, I'm on the second level, so you can't be on the second level. And I'm like, no, no, yeah, I, I am on the second level, and you're not here. So I'm looking all around for him. He's not there. He is adamant that he's on the second level. He's like swearing on his mother's life. That he's on the second level. Eventually he gets frustrated. Hangs up the phone on me. So we're looking around. And eventually I'm like. You know. I wonder if he's on the first level. So I go down this stairwell. And there he is. With this super heavy backpack. Laid out in the stairwell. Like a rag doll. With this backpack full of liquor on. Like halfway asleep. It, the boy has already had a full day, and it's mm, probably 10 a.m. And so we finally get him up to the second level, and he is stumbling around. He fell all over people, and he gets this bright idea. He has brought this flask to bring liquor into the stadium, um, which was a pair of binoculars. And the eye part where you would look through the binocular, actually popped off and there was a little screw cap where you could pour your liquor in. But he didn't have both of the eye parts, so one of them was clearly a cap. But in his drunkenness, he thought that he was going to be able to get into the stadium. So, we pretty well are are made to leave. I mean, not by them, but just as a matter of courtesy, we left because he is now falling all over people. 
and we're like, well, we're going to head to the stadium. It's going to start here soon anyways. So on the way to the stadium, we see someone that we knew. So we stop to talk to them, but Jody doesn't. Jody keeps walking. And at this point, I'm like, you know, I've already gone on a wild goose chase to find this guy in a stairwell. I'm just going to let him walk. So he keeps walking, and we go into the stadium. And we figure, you know, he's just behind us probably. And about halfway into the orange and white game, we're like, where, where's Jody? And then my phone rings, and I look down, and it's Jody. Well, I answer the phone, I'm like, hey, where are you? He's like, they won't let me in. And I'm like, well, probably because of the flask. He's like, no, they say I'm too drunk. I'm like, well, they're not wrong. And he's like, I'm going to go back and sit in your truck. I'm like, hey, the truck's locked. He's like, I'll sit in the bed of the truck. I'm like, that's that's fine. We'll see you in a little bit. So we get through, I would say, about three quarters of the game. And we're like, well, maybe we should go back and get Jody, you know, try to beat the traffic. As we're walking back to the truck, we are traversing these hills and none of us had drank nearly as much as Jody. And these ki- these hills are killing us. We're, we're all heavier gentlemen except for Caleb. And we're like, there is no chance that Jody has made it back to this truck. None at all. Now, what we did not know at the time was Jody absolutely did not make it back to the truck. What happened was Jody started walking and found out that the hills were there as well and took the path of least resistance to an amphitheater nearby where he laid down and passed out. We are looking everywhere for Jody because we now have made it back to the truck and he isn't there. So we're calling him and his phone is going straight to voicemail. And even though at this point you know he is in the amphitheater, we have no idea where he is. So we're having to toss around ideas like, did he stumble onto some train tracks? Um, Did he get arrested? Is he in a hospital? Has he been kidnapped? We don't know. We have no idea. So your imagination can just go as far as you'll let it. And I did a very not smart thing, which is let his girlfriend know that he was nowhere to be found. And she then let his parents know that he was nowhere to be found. So for the next, uh, I'll call it an hour or so, we are looking around Knoxville, anywhere that we can think, for Jody. But we can't find him. So... We do what any concerned group of friends would do uh, responsibly whenever their friend is missing. We went to Zaxby's because you cannot search on an empty stomach, and everybody knows that. It would have been unchristian of Jody to expect that we would search for him, you know, with empty tummies. And that's, you know, that's just that. So we get our num nums and. While we're eating, his parents called uh, my buddy Luke, who was there with us, and 
they're like, hey, if you'll stay down there, we'll buy you a hotel room. We're scared. We don't know what's going on either. And so he's having to look at staying down there until his parents get down, Jody's parents get down here to help look for him. And so we're like, we've got to find him. Like, this is, this is going to be way too much of a hassle if his parents get involved and come down here. So his dad then calls, right? And he sprinkles information to us that let us know he had been in a situation like this before. He tells us, check the bathrooms. Now, Jody was not in the bathroom, and I really wish I knew the backstory behind why he thought he would be. But he tells us to check the bathrooms. Well, we search several other places. We go back to the parking garage. He's not there. We search outside the stadium. He isn't there. Finally, after three and a half hours of searching and like half an hour of that at Zaxby's, we're like, okay, we got to call it quits. I've called the police station to see if he has uh, been taken to jail. I've called hospitals to see if he's there. We can't find him and we can't stay here all night. So we're headed back to the truck. And like I said, it's a pretty good haul between the stadium and Walmart so about halfway there Luke's phone rings and he looks down at it and it's a number that he doesn't recognize and so he answers the phone he's like hello and he's like I I'm just sitting here listening to him right and he goes dude where are you at this point I'm like okay so it's obviously Jody he's like well you better get back to Walmart because we were about to leave you even though Luke was probably going to stay because, you know, he was going to help Jody's parents look for him. But Jody's like, okay, I'm on the way. So we get back to the truck, and we've already talked to his girlfriend, already talked to his parents, and we're like, hey, he's safe. He's on the way back to us. And while we're sitting there, we're discussing the fact that he has made us wait an extra three and a half hours in Knoxville searching for him. And Luke says, you know, I think I'm going to punch him in the face. And we're all like, you know, you should probably do that. That's a, that sounds like it would be appropriate in this situation. Now, I thought what might happen was Jody would get there. Luke would be like, hey, you made us wait. Punch him, you know. Jody might be upset about it, but you know he probably knows he deserves it. And that'll be that. Uh, what I did not expect to happen is what did happen. Jody comes around the bend. We can see him now. He starts trotting through this parking garage in this Walmart. He's so happy to see us. Now he's full-blown running. He puts his arms out. Like he wants to uh, hug us, right? Like he has found salvation. And Luke starts walking towards him. And in Jody's mind, Luke is walking towards him to give him a hug. And in Luke's mind, the fact that Jody's arms are, are out means he has a real clear shot at the chin. And Luke hits Jody harder than I've ever seen anyone get hit in my entire life. And I have watched a lot of UFC. Luke 
destroyed Jody. Jody does like a 360 spin, falls down. He had dip in his mouth, and he just went everywhere. There was a car full of women, and I heard them audibly gasp. And now Jody's just sitting there on the ground thinking about his whole life. I think at one point I saw those cartoon birds going around his head. Luke turns around, walks back and says, let's go home like he's in an action movie or something. I, it, it was just the craziest thing. So we pile in the truck and we're all silent for the next half hour. And finally, Jody <laughs> speaks up and says, well, that sucked. <laughs> and we all just lost our minds laughing. And it was at that point that, you know, no one had to say, I forgive you. We were just all kind of there. You know what I mean? It, between friends, things happen. But I won't leave you with that. No, we couldn't be left with that. One of the next things that was said was, hey, I'm kind of hungry again. So, me being the man I am, I took my boys to McDonald's because daddy provides. Daddy provides. So we go to McDonald's and we're all standing around Jody. Jody's in the middle. His face has now swollen up so much that I think his eye was like swollen shut. It it looked like he had a tumor on his face. It was huge. And the manager of McDonald's, I think, thought that Jody was like in a battered woman scenario. He's like, hey, are you okay? Should I, uh, should I call for help? And Jody's like, yeah, no, everything's good. So we eat our McDonald's. We make our way home as friends. And that was one of the craziest days of my life. From start to finish, Jaeger bombs at 5 a.m., the hardest hit I've ever seen, and someone offering Jody help because of the goiter on his eyeball. So this has been the first episode of True Stories for the Boys, True Party Stories. Like I said, we haven't really hammered down a good name yet. If you have a suggestion, let us know. Uh, also, want to let you guys know I have started an Instagram for the page. It is TSB Pod on Instagram. So go give us a follow. And if you don't mind, drop us a rating on iTunes. Uh, that's something that will help us get to the front uh, whenever someone searches True Story Bro. So I would really appreciate that. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.